facing the same direction and it can be a, a motivational speech where we can totally miss out on the power that's behind today the resurrection Sunday Lord this is a day that you woke up not from a sleep the father from death Lord you conquered death today is there anybody in the building you conquered death today and so, Father, what we bring to that, the, the posture of heart, that we experience the resurrection of with uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ with this morning, Father, we want that to be one that is unhindered by self, unhindered by our past, unhindered by anything that we have ever gone through or anything that anybody has ever done to us. Lord, we want to concentrate on what you've done for us today. I just pray that it becomes so real that, Lord, we walk out of here a changed individual. We walk out of here different than when we walked in. Lord, there's no amount of anxiety. There's no amount of fear. There's no amount of depression that will overcome us because what we just got done singing is that we can overcome because you overcame. Lord, you overcame my pain. You overcame my sin. My stress, all of the things that I go through on a daily basis, Father, that are somewhat insurmountable. Lord, you overcame all of that. But Lord, you overcame something that no man can ever say or claim that he overcame, Lord, and that is death. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I pray that what comes from the word of God is what you want to be spoken. And that it hits us in that place, Lord, where we can respond and be a changed individual. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much for spending Easter Resurrection Sunday with us. Um, we're very grateful for everybody who's here. Everybody looks great, okay? Some of us have our Easter pastels on, you know, it's good stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here. It's, it's uh, definitely been a busy week because we have noonday, we had, excuse me, noonday services all week. Um, Timberline Church was gracious enough to give us a room for the whole week, and that was, that was good, so we did that. And Beck, um, gentleman up here who did announcements for those of you who don't know him uh he's my my associate pastor right hand dude he took care of all those preachings except for friday i was able to, to do friday but it was all good we looked at the perspective of the cross from heaven from from uh from earth from man and we talked about uh what it means to be the crucified believer uh, and that was that was a big one if you guys have been with us for any amount of time, you know that we've been going through the book of Romans. And it has been deep. It has been uh, confronting. But that's what the truth does. Kind of confronts you right in your face. Today, obviously, we're not going to be in the book of Romans because there might be something that might be just a little bit more important than that to talk about. Amen? Now, see, it is basically the Super Bowl for the church. That's what Easter is. All right? Now, I just have to let you guys know before we get started, if today doesn't get you going, I don't know what else will. If, and I'm not saying you have to say amen after every statement that I say. I'm not saying that at all. But at some point, what Jesus has done to you, inside of you, has to come out. Does that make sense? For some of us in here, we were in a place where you were probably looking at life and death. And I can probably say that for everybody. Because I don't want us to think about anything as, and you've heard me say this before, right or wrong, good or bad. See, the Lord talks about sin, right and wrong, as life and death. Do you want to give life to your situation? Or do you want to continue in sin and be dead in that area of your life? Are you with me this morning? 
life and death. Everybody in here has been in that type of situation. Now, today, ladies and gentlemen, like I said earlier, if, if today doesn't get you up on your feet, I don't know what else will because there's no other religion, there's no other relationship, there's no other man. I really don't like the word religion because that's not what Jesus is about. He's about a relationship. Amen? Amen? There's no other man on this earth who claimed that he was going to die and raise himself up three days later. Nobody. No other religion can claim it. And guess what? He not only said it, but he did it. That's right. Amen? He did it. What we're about to look at today is John 20, verses 1 through 18. And there's a couple different perspectives. This is the tomb that is, or excuse me, the, the stone in front of the tomb is rolled away. This is Mary Magdalene. She happens upon this scene. This scene is the very first witness of exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. He said he was going to destroy the temple and raise it up in three days. Mary Magdalene happens upon the scene. Peter happens upon the scene. John, the rest of the disciples. In the other gospels, there's, there's more than just three people. Okay? But we're going to kind of highlight Mary Magdalene at this point. Why are we going to highlight Mary? Because I think a lot of us in here might be able to connect with this woman. If you knew anything about Mary, her lifestyle before she met Jesus was not exactly above reproach, above board, if you want to call it that. But scripture tells us that what Jesus did is he cast seven demons out of this woman. Saved this woman's life, completely changed who she was, and pursued her like nobody had ever pursued her before. Now, that same Jesus has pulled you out of your crap. That's a Greek word, okay? Out of your shortcomings and set your feet on a solid foundation and has continued to pursue you in the midst of us, we, me, I, all of us saying, I want to go in the opposite direction. That's the type of God that you serve. You guys with me this morning? Mary, in her relationship with Jesus, she was so devoted to this man because of the fact that he accepted her when no one else would. You know this world will not accept you as much as we try to get it to accept us? You can put on anything that you want on Facebook, on social media, and walk down the street and say, hey, I am this person. But only Jesus knows what's going on right in here. And guess what? He accepts all of that. Amen? This is a God that as he was going to the cross, whatever happened in between Friday to Sunday, Scripture tells us what happens. I'm not going to go over all that. We'd be here for days. To the moment that life came back into his body, do you know that he had you on his mind? He had Alex Square on his mind. I don't know about you guys, but that hits. And I want it to hit you this morning title of this message is what do you bring resurrection sunday what do you bring kind of makes me a little bit sick to my stomach when i watch tv and easter's coming and it's all about the easter bunny it's all about this chocolate and easter egg hunts and easter specials and oh, whatever i'm good There's no amount of chocolate that can save me all right. <laughs> no Easter bunnies died on the cross for me. All right. The reason I say that is because as we come in here, even as, even as Christians, we can take Easter, the Resurrection Sunday, and miss the depth of what it's trying to communicate to us. We have these individuals that happen upon this scene, like I was saying, Mary. And we'll get to this scripture. I'll read it here in a second. But Mary came with something that allowed her to not see Jesus who is standing right next to her. There are times where we can come in here with so much stuff that it causes us to miss the reality of what this day is. We hear about Good Friday on Good Friday that it was about the death, but there's more to the story, right? That's a good thing because everyone dies, right? But only one man raised himself from the dead. One. There's one grave that's empty. 
in this entire world. In all of time, one grave. We get to Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Sunday morning, and we say it's about him walking out of the tomb. You know what else? There's more to the story. Isn't that amazing? There's more to it. And what that has to do with is what we take not only to the resurrection as individuals happening upon that scene in our life, but what we take away from it and walk from this building today a changed individual. You walked in here a certain way. I'm not saying that that way was bad. Don't, don't hear me say that. But what I am saying is, can we walk out of here different? Not because of Alex, not because of the personality up front. I'm talking about because of Scripture. Amen? Because of what Scripture is telling us about who Jesus is and the significance of this resurrection Sunday. You guys with me this morning? Good. If not, I say this. I don't really get many emails, but hey, if you're not with me, send me an email. I might respond. I might not. Probably won't. Hey, just got to put that out there. So we're going to be in John real quick. John 20, verses 1 through 18. And it will be up on the screen for if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along up there. But I will say this. We're in church. Okay? Bring your Bibles to church. All right? Don't take my word for it. <laughs> take Scripture's word for it. Um, it says this, John 20, verses 1 through 18. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him, whoever they is. So Peter and the other disciples went forth. And they were going to the tomb. The two were running together. This is Peter and John. And the other disciples ran ahead faster than Peter uh, and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings laying there. But he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings laying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not laying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Verse 8. So the other disciples who had first come to the tomb then also entered. And he saw and believed. Excuse me, the other disciple. That other disciple is John. <clears throat> and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. And then we get a little picture of Mary Magdalene here. And her interchange or exchange with Jesus from verses 11 through 18. And it says this, But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so, as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have uh, laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascended to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So there's a picture being created here. Mary, before the sun comes up, runs to the tomb, and assuming that this rock is going to be covering the tomb like it was when they put Jesus' body in there, it's moved away. 
Now, the thing about Mary, you've got to understand, is she spent time with Jesus. She spent time next to this man, hearing what he was saying, speaking, not only to his disciples, but to the crowds, to the multitudes. So she is not naive, I guess I should use that word, to the fact that she's heard him say, I'm going to rise on the third day. I'm going to come back again. I'm going to destroy the temple and raise it again in three days. She has heard all of that. She runs up onto this scene where the tomb has been rolled away. She goes and tells the disciples. They come running. And after this, this interchange with the disciples going into the tomb, um, Peter who goes into the tomb, John who stoops at the beginning, uh, excuse me, the entrance of the tomb, Mary has this encounter have, uh, knowing full well that Jesus said this is what he's going to do. Her first reaction was, where is the body? Where is the what? What was she looking for? She was looking for the body of Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you this question. Well, let me just say this. Because Mary was so emotionally attached to Jesus, spiritually attached to Jesus, there's people in my life who have poured into me regardless of what I've done. There's been things in my life that aren't good. There's things that are great. But the good and the bad don't deter this individual or these couple individuals from continuing to pour into me. That's, that was that person to Jesus, or to, to Mary. Jesus was that person to Mary. So obviously when you lose somebody of that type of significance, you're going to be all over the place emotionally. And that's where Mary was, okay? She was all over the place emotionally. But as she happened upon the very, I don't even know how else to explain this, the very scene that represents everything that we believe, why we believe what we believe. Jesus walking out of the tomb is why I am in front of you today. Is why that when somebody talks to me about Jesus, I can't shut up. Is why when there's no money in the account, I don't freak out because Jesus says he's going to take care of it. Or it takes me a little bit to come down from freaking out and then I say Jesus is going to take care of it, right? <laughs> I'm human, okay? It's the very reason why we believe what we believe. It's not because of what he did with responding to the Pharisees when he was on this earth with his disciples and was talking about working on the Sabbath. Or it wasn't because of um, any other story or instance, which all of those are good things in the word. But this moment right here, what Mary Magdalene ran up on, what John and Peter and the rest of the disciples witnessed is the it. It is the it. But what she brought to that moment was more of Mary and less of faith in what Jesus said he was going to do. Are you with me this morning? Now see, how does that connect to you and I? Luke 9.23 says, if anyone wishes to follow me, he must do a couple things. He's got to deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow him. Follow me. Denying yourself, ladies and gentlemen, for me, denying myself is taking everything that is Alex Square and leaving it at the front door and pressing in to all of who Jesus is. Amen? So what would that look like for you? Take your name, put it in, you know, the blank. Check yourself at the door. Because what he's asking you to do is not have faith in what you've been through from the moment you were born till now. That faith is faith in the wrong kingdom. I said this last week, fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. We've got faith in things that haven't even happened yet. And I took a quote from uh, After Earth, a weird movie, Will Smith, good dude. Wish I could meet him someday. He's a good guy. I'm just going to touch this real quick and then get back on to, because I want a rabbit trail, because I will, all right? But he says, fear is not real. Fear only exists in our thoughts of the future. Creating for ourselves scenarios that may never and at present do not exist. Fear is a choice. Fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. The kingdom of this earth, not the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. If 
I come with faith in myself, I will bring to the resurrection something that is limited, something that will cause me to revert back to whatever, the cyclical sin cycle. That's redundant, but I'm sorry. Sin's cyclical way of keeping you in bondage. Does that make sense when I say that? But if I have faith in the kingdom of God, and I come to the resurrection, I come to Sunday morning saying, look, I may have pain. I got things in my life that are weighing down on me. The Lord never said, don't come as you are. He didn't say, make your life great before you walk in those doors. Because that'll never happen. He did say, just give me anything and everything that's on you. Give it to him, but don't drag it around like a dead body. Because if you kick a dead body, what happens? Nothing, right? <laughs> you guys are like, ah. Uh. <laughs> it's like extremely disrespectful. <laughs> well, if you're dragging around a dead body, that's kind of disrespectful too, right? You kick a dead body, it's not going to do anything. And he's saying, what I need you to do is, I need you to cut those ties. Are you willing to come to the moment in time that I said, I want to make sin? I want to make the penalty of sin non-existent in your life. Are you willing to come to that moment with none of you? With none of your past? Mary Magdalene came with so much sorrow that Jesus actually appeared to her. And she thought he was the gardener. And I don't know how else to say it. This is the moment. Super Bowl moment. <laughs> for Christianity. And Mary can't even recognize the man who cast seven demons out of her. Why? Because she just came with a little bit more of herself than with what Jesus had said about what he was going to do. And the fact that in that moment, he proved it. You know, there's some things in my life the Lord has promised me, and there's things that I have seen him prove in the moment. And that right there is the reason why I keep coming back. Because there's, sure, there's enough reasons, guys, to just say, you know what, I'm going to throw my hands up. Too much persecution. Every time I open up a mouth about Jesus, somebody has something to say about it. Okay, plenty of reasons to take a left and go the other direction. But there's one reason why we should stay. There's one reason why we should have faith. There's one reason why nothing on this earth will overcome us because he overcame what? Death. Amen? Is there anybody in the room this morning? Come on now. Somebody's going to stand up at some point. Hallelujah. You know? <laughs> Jesus walked out of the tomb. Are you with me this morning, though? Now, we're looking at Peter and John as well. They're both running towards the tomb. And the interesting thing about Peter, Peter's a very emotional guy, right? Garden of Gethsemane. Guy comes up. He's about to put his hands on Jesus. Rips out his sword. Flop. Ear gone. Jesus is like, enough. Picks up the ear. Puts it back on. He's an emotional dude. When Jesus gets taken, Peter denies Jesus how many times? Three times. And here he walks up onto the scene. And he's like, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. How would that make you feel if you denied this man three times, didn't get a chance to say to him, I love you one last time. Now, when Jesus comes back and appears to however many people that he appeared to on the, uh, I think it's the, the, the seashore of Galilee. Am I right? Yeah. He asks Peter three times, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Why are you asking me this? <laughs> Peter's just both sides of the spectrum. Peter dives into the tomb. And what he sees... He doesn't necessarily understand. If I'm correct in saying this, and I said this backwards first service, which means next week I'm going to have to correct myself. That's okay. It happens. I'm not above that. John was the one who stopped at the front and stooped in, and he didn't go in. But Peter, coming with, I would assume, pain, guilt, anguish, because of denying Jesus in that moment, flies into the tomb and he, he, he happens upon something. He witnesses a few things that I think are very, very important to, to pull out. I'm going to 
finish this part of this scripture, then we're going to go to Galatians 2 and Romans 8 and talk about the application of all of this. Alright? Peter jumps in there and it says that he sees the linens kind of rotted up in a corner. But he also sees this face cloth that has been rolled up. Verse 7 right there. The face cloth which had been on his head not laying with the linen wrappings but rolled up in a place by itself. Now if anybody, if you guys don't know this, I'm sure some of you guys do, but in the Jewish culture, um, if you were at a banquet or at somebody's house, they were hosting you, uh, eating, and you had to get up and leave from the table, but you uh, weren't finished necessarily, you would take your napkin or whatever you were using as a napkin and you would actually fold it up. Because a scrunched up napkin, like thrown down on the plate, basically meant that you were finished. That you're done. You're not coming back. This face cloth, there's some serious significance about the fact that it was folded up and placed in a different place. See, Jesus is not void of the Jewish culture. He takes all of it and makes it all right, all pure. So he takes that cultural, I don't know how to say it, cultural uh, practice. And that face cloth is folded up, it's rolled up, it's put in a different place. You know what that signifies? Signifies that he's coming back. Signifies that he's not done. He's not done with you, he's not done with me. Thank God, because if this was it, I'd be in trouble. We would be in trouble. Are you with me this morning? Some serious significance in that. We have all of these individuals that happen upon the scene, the it, for our belief. And there's a couple of different responses. So my question, and what I wanted to bring to light this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has transformed each and every one of us in here. If you have received the Lord into your life as your personal Savior, it has transformed your life. That moment is not one that necessarily just happens one time. Now, when you receive the Lord, one and done, you're good. You don't have to do it every single day. All right? But what I'm saying is that the revelation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that should hit us every single day. Is, does that make sense? So what do we bring to that moment every single day? Do I bring myself? Do I bring what I've been through from the time that I was born all the way up until now and everything in between and all the things that people have done to me? Or do I bring one thing, what Jesus did for me? Is there anybody in here this morning? Do I bring myself or do I bring none of myself and step into a moment He's trying to communicate something to us. That I took sin. The penalty of sin. Jesus is saying sin hurts me. Okay, we've wronged Jesus because of our sin. We have. He's saying what I want to do is because you've wronged me, I want to make it right, but I don't want you to have any hand in making it right. What sense does that make? Has anybody ever wronged you before? What do you say to him? Well, I want you to prove to me that you're never going to do that again. Aren't you so glad Jesus don't say that to you? I want you to prove to me that you're never going to sin against me again. No, what he did is he, he walked to the cross and died so that you don't have to prove anything. He made it look like there was no sin. That's what his blood paid for. That's what his body paid for. That entire moment, then him walking up out of the tomb, what do we bring to that? Do you bring self? we bring self? Do I bring self? Or do I bring an understanding that is communicated to us, I love this, in Galatians 2.20. Let's, let's turn to Galatians 2.20. It's uh, right after Corinthians and right before Ephesians. 2 Corinthians. It's Galatians 2.20. It says this. I have been crucified 
with Christ. With Him. And it is no longer I who live. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The first part of that verse, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. See, the interesting thing about this day and age, and everybody, you can see this, everybody, I'm not giving you guys anything you don't know. Social media can aid you in putting out whatever persona you want. Really can. It can you, you can just be whoever you want to be because people just click on some, some pictures and they see some things and, and all of that. Alright? Uh, that mentality has caused us to be in a sense disconnected. That you can be plugged in, but also extremely unplugged at the same time. Does that make sense when I say that? So looking at this, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer, and it is no longer I, uh, excuse me, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The reason why I take that analogy about this day and age and being, being so disconnected is that if we can do whatever we can to disconnect from individuals, then that person can't hurt me. But Jesus didn't nail a truck or a biscuit on the cross. He nailed himself, right? He is more so about this resurrection, not being about a what, but being about a who. Being about a person. Are you with me this morning? Taking us from a place of being disconnected to connecting to if he died on the cross and this says that I was crucified with him, that it wasn't just Jesus who took care of that. I mean, he did. He took care of that. But we have to understand that we have some kind of connection with that. There is a deep-rooted connection there. Why? Because we are his children. He created each and every one of us. You chuckling with me this morning? So... It takes it from an impersonal thought to a very personal thought when we say the very thing that he went through on the cross, we were crucified with him as well. Our flesh died. His flesh died. But you know what is the continuation of this? That as we died with Christ, what else happened? He rose from the dead. Guess what? We've been risen with Christ as well. Amen? It ain't about no chocolate bunnies and Easter eggs and all that business. It's about the fact that we were crucified with him on this cross. But the continuation of the story is that we were resurrected with him as well. Do you walk around with that in your mind and in your heart? Or are we so sorrowful about the things that we've been through that we come with that to the resurrection saying, Lord, I don't know if that power is enough for me. I'll tell you what, sometimes on a daily basis, I, I say that. <laughs> that power might not be enough for me. If anything, ladies and gentlemen, please be real about where you're at. If you're not real about where you're at, the Lord cannot fix something that you want to keep broken. Does that make sense? Just be real, and he will fix it. And he will do it like a gentleman. So here's the next part of this. If you walk out of here with anything today, knowing that this is the biggest day for Christians around the world, for anybody who believes, for disciples around the world, walk out of here with this. And this is Romans 8. We just got done, in, uh, excuse me, done reading in Galatians 2.20 that uh, crucified with Christ and Christ is in us. Romans 8 verse 10 says this, If Christ is in you through the body, uh, excuse me, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. In verse 11, my goodness, come on. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Think about that. If the spirit of him 
who raised somebody from the dead, who conquered death, dwells right here, right behind your sternum. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Ladies and gentlemen, is there anybody in the room this morning? You know what that's saying? The very same power that was breathed into Jesus when he was laying there dead for however many days, okay, three days. I don't want to say however many because we know how many. Okay, three days. All right, I don't want to get off of that. Dwells in you. Right here. Do you come to the resurrection with that mentality? That the power of God is what you carry with you every single day. Not your past. Not what you've been through. Not how people have treated you. Not the fact that yesterday somebody said something and it didn't really hit you right so you're just kind of dwelling on it. And blah, blah, blah. We can go on and on and on and on with that mental gymnastics stuff. But what does the Word say? If you're going to have faith in anything, have faith in what the Word says. Because what the Word says is that, ladies and gentlemen, when you claim the name of Jesus Christ, you get that power. You want to access that power today. Does anybody in here want to access that power? I'm telling you. I hope every, every hand goes up. Because you can. And all it takes is not a list of, Lord, I've got to get right before I ask you something. I've got to get right before this, that, and this. Kick that out the door. It has nothing to do with that. Also in Romans, it speaks about how simple it is to accept Christ into your life. You got to do two things. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and it's done. It's done. How many other religions tell you that the way you got to get into whatever paradise it is, you got to help 3,200 old ladies across the street and make sure that you clean your dishes and it just works, 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 works. That's why Jesus is so potent. That's why he said there's no amount of works that can take care of it. All you need to do is just believe in me. Confess with your mouth and I got you taken care of. You guys with me this morning? If you walk out of here with anything about the Resurrection Sunday, what you bring to that moment is important. Jesus took care of his part of it. But how you see that moment in your life, let's not let it be uh, tainted by whatever sorrow or pain or anguish or um, guilt. How about that one? That's a big one. Honestly, ladies and gentlemen, we're all guilty. So let's just leave that one to the Lord. We're guilty because of our sin, but we are justified because of our faith in Jesus Christ, not faith in anything other than that. Amen. Oh, I love it. So I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back up here and just get prepared for our offering as we close here. Uh, but you could, you could come in here and you could look at our awesome red carpet. <laughs> not at all. These wreaths that aren't even ours. Okay, these windows, great windows for Sunday morning for Resurrection Sunday. Uh, you could say, hey, great worship. It was a good Sunday. Jesus walked out of the tomb and it was great. All of those things, those perspectives, those, here's what this day is about. I'm not saying anybody in here has that mentality. But I'm just saying we can make it about so many other things. He died for us. He rose. And then there was a continuation. He said, I want you to live with that power in you. You walk out of here with anything, you walk out of here with that. Amen. That's what this is about. Because he is a God who wants a relationship, two-way street. Not just him up there as a puppeteer saying, do what I want you to do. Mm. Saying, I, I got plans for you. I have things that I need you to do and I'm going to tell you how to do them. I'm going to be with you the whole time. So let's, let's come up here. You guys, let's come to the front. We'll continue to close for this, this morning. We'll pray for this, and then we'll, we'll jump into how the Lord wants us to wrap this up. Father, God, we just thank you for who you are.
Lord, not only what you do, we don't come to you with our hands out, we come to you with our hands up. Praising your name. But today's a day that you said, I am significant enough to conquer death. That everyone in here is significant enough to go to the cross, to be beaten, to have your flesh hanging off of your bones. Lord, blood everywhere. And that was what would suffice so that I, so that we could have access to you. Father, I thank you for an opportunity this morning. That is, the, the word tells us to give, tells us to give with a joyful heart, to not release anything to you, Father, unless it comes from a joyful place. But Lord, we understand that it's all yours anyway. We see it as worship. So, Lord, as we, as we give this morning, I pray that whatever is given, Father, it's exactly what you want. And we give it right back to you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can, you guys can pass that. See, as you guys are taking up our offering... If you guys get a chance at some point, I know this isn't a movie that you kind of sit down and say, hey, let's gather around and let's watch this every couple weeks, but it's the passion of the Christ. And the brutal beating of Jesus being depicted in that movie was gruesome. And people ask Mel Gibson, the, the man who produced the movie, why did you make it so graphic? And he responds by saying, we actually toned it down. Can you imagine that? That here's a man who has been wronged by every individual in this world. He's been wronged by me, sometimes on a daily basis, us on a daily basis. Why? Because we choose sin, we choose death over life. And he's saying, you know what, I love you so much, Alex, I want you to stand right next to me. And I want to make it as if you've never done anything to hurt me. I want you to leave your tools, your brick, your mortar, all that stuff. Just leave it. Because I have the brick and mortar. I have what's going to fix that breach. And I'm going to do it for you. But while he was getting beaten, 39 lashes, flesh hanging off the bone, couldn't even recognize who he was, crown of thorns, thorns pressed down into his head, he had you on his mind. He said, you're significant enough to me that I'm willing to go do this. He prayed so hard in the Garden of Gethsemane that, Lord, if this cup could pass from me, let it. Jesus prayed that prayer. <laughs> Take this from me if you can. But what he said after that? Not my will, but yours be done. It, it was an exciting, precious Thing that he wanted to do to go to the cross that way so that you and I could have access to him and you and I could have access on a deeper relationship, deeper level with each other honestly this isn't just a vertical relationship, this is horizontal but he did all of that to make a way sin created this gap and what he did on the cross closed that gap there's nothing we can do to deserve it or to earn it. So my question this morning for, for anybody in here today is do you want to access the, the power of the resurrection? But maybe for you, you haven't received Christ into your life for the first time. I love that there's an answer for that. There's a, there's a, there's a fix. That yes, sin created this gap but what Jesus did on the cross paid the penalty for sin but what he did three days later is what gives us access is what makes him who he said he is because he claimed it he said it and then he did it so let's pray real quick father I thank you for this this day this is not a day but it's the day Lord, from January 1st to December 31st, an entire year, 
this is what we should be thinking about. This is the posture of heart that we should that we should have. So thankful for the fact that you did what you did. And Lord, as the word has gone out and we've understood and taken from Scripture that you want us to come with just ourselves so that we can see you for who you are, Lord. If there's anybody in here this morning who's been moved by the word, Father, moved by your story, not my story, not anybody else's story in here, but Lord, your story, which is the best story ever told. Moved by understanding, Lord, that it's not about them anymore. It's not about me. And wanting to transfer their trust from themselves to you. And Lord, they've never made the leap before. They've never said, hey, Lord, come into my life as my Lord and personal Savior. Taking all head knowledge and moving it to heart knowledge, which then translates to our feet. Father, if there's anybody in here who wants to give their life to Christ for the first time and experience that power of the resurrection, I pray that they would just put their hand up in the air. We will pray for them, bring them into the kingdom of God, knowing full well that death is an absolute, but Lord, you conquered that. But when we receive you, Father, huh, that means we conquer death too. Hallelujah. There's anybody in here who wants to make that leap for the first time and say, God, I, I want that access. Just throw your hands up. Don't, don't miss this opportunity. Come on, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name. So we're going to close here, but got a little bit of a word from, from Beck that I think is important for us to hear this morning. Um, it's just really hit me in this morning in prayer that Jesus redeemed us on the cross. We've talked about that this morning. Uh, freed us from the penalty and the power of sin. All this is true, but part of his redemptive work is that we get to participate in the redemption of others. Have you ever wondered if he freed us from sin, why aren't we all just in heaven now? Let's just get this thing show on the road. He keeps us here as his redeemed people to participate in the redeeming of others. Right? That the Lord has used friends and family and many of you in this room to display to me a picture of who Jesus is and, and what he is like and, and, and your being redeemed and relationship with Jesus has drawn me into further redemption, becoming the man that Christ created me to become. This picture was really uh, displayed to me with my in-laws, of all people. I got to spend lunch. So we're going to have time with them today, and I'm not nervous because they're they're believers and they were redeemed, and their their redemptive picture and their relationship has shown me something about Jesus that I can't find in my past. So sort of showed me what love looks like, or what a marriage looks like, what parenting looks like. Them being redeemed has helped draw out of me the redemption that Christ paid on the cross for me. Mm -hmm. So my encouragement to you this Easter is to rejoice over what Jesus did. But go and spend what he did in front of people. Yeah. Because it will be a picture, a testimony. You are the, are the image bearer of Christ. Go do that in public. Go proclaim that um, by, by, by who you are and who he has redeemed you to become. Because I'm telling you something, it's a ministry. And it has helped me, and I hope that I have been a help to you or as many of you in the room. But there are many out there that have no idea what uh, a certain aspect of Jesus is like that you carry and you know very well. I encourage you to go and be the redeemed people that we are today. Let's stand to our feet as we close here. Father, thank you so much for that. Lord, that word going and spending. Yeah, I think that, that's it for today. But the power of the resurrection that resides in us, Lord, we want to go spend that somewhere. 
We don't want to hold it. We want to give it away. So we thank you for today. We want to worship you. For the close of this service, Father, we're just going to worship you. And I'll come back with the, the benediction. But let's, let's sing this. Oh, what a Savior. Yes, was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you paid. And Lord, we don't want you to overpay for what you're getting in return. We want to give you all that we have, all that we are, every single day, 24-7, for however many days and minutes, hours, months, whatever it is, years that you allow us to live. Thank you for this day that you allowed us to wake up today. Father, we want to do well with that. So we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys are free to go.